Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. I'm Jessica, your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and this is the show that helps you learn the simple and sustainable methods you need to grow your own awesome garden. We are jumping in today, this cold day in December, into episode 35, Raised Beds versus In-Ground Gardens, and which one is the best one for you? If you're getting ready to start your very first garden, or maybe you have moved recently and you need to start over, this will be an awesome little breakdown of the pros and cons of both the raised bed gardens and in-ground bar- in ground gardens, and figuring out which one you should use to start your season off coming up here in the new year. Even if this isn't your first garden and you've already got one going, I also have a few tips at the end of the episode that I think apply to any garden to really maximize your space and the productivity and overall health of your garden so you'll be able to learn something no matter what. Alrighty, I want to start off this episode by remembering to mention where I am growing and what kind of soil I'm working with because I oftentimes forget. And I think that's obviously an important factor in the upcoming discussion of what type of garden to build. So I am in Oregon on the western side where it is super rainy, currently raining right now today. And I am in zone 8AB. I am really on the border where literally one street over is zone A and one street the other way is zone B. And I'm not sure yet exactly where I fall because we have only been on this property since June. And so I haven't even been through a full year here to really observe the weather and the freezing um, tendencies and temperatures and whatnot. I can say it's very rainy. It's very cold lately. And it, uh, I think, is going to settle on the A side. And soil-wise, we do have a higher clay content in our soil than I had originally thought on this property, which I have come to notice as the rain has really picked up and the soil is holding a ton of water. And that's the case in the whole area. So it's not just my property or anything. Um, And I do have very good sun exposure. We've got a nice open pasture area where I'm growing And we, of course, get some shade, you know, from neighboring trees and whatnot, but I'm not dealing with a super shady yard or anything like that. I've I've got pretty, I'm lucky to have good sun exposure. That's great for those summer gardens that need heat and full sun uh, to really thrive. So just a little context there. So to start us off, I want to talk about the benefits of raised beds because I've been growing almost exclusively in raised beds for a very long time. My first gardens were in ground, so I do have experience with both. Uh, otherwise, I you know, wouldn't feel like I have the expertise or the experience to really argue one side or the other. Um, but I currently grow in raised beds. And I've done this primarily because for the last 10 years, we have been moving with the military. And it's a lot faster to get a garden going with raised beds as opposed to planting in ground if you are working on with, you know, like say a lawn or a backyard where there wasn't already a garden established. And so that kind of actually segues me right into one of the benefits of it's a lot easier to get going with a raised bed than an in-ground garden. That's one of the benefits of a raised bed. You buy your materials to raise the bed or to build the raised bed, and you buy your materials to fill it, and there you go, you have a garden. Of course, that, you know, involves some work, some effort, definitely some expense, which is a con that we'll get into, but it's, you don't have to wait to kill the grass, you don't need to till, and if you're super pressed for time, there are even some kits that you can buy that have everything included that allow you to get started 
really, really quickly if it's, you know, say springtime already and you just want to get a garden going. So that's benefit number one. In my opinion, it's faster to get a garden going with a raised bed. Pro number two is because you need to bring in soil, you have more control over that soil. So as I mentioned at the top of the episode, my soil tends towards more clay than just straight loam, you know, that perfect crumbly soil that we all dream of, that black gold. And uh, and so I can amend with the compost and amendments that I need to build a better soil that's not going to hold quite so much water. If you are nervous about finding ways to fill your raised beds, if you know you don't want to go and buy bulk compost, I did give a few ideas in the last two episodes of where to find compost and growing medium on a budget, and that was episode 33 for gardening on a budget. And then I also mentioned one that one tip I had forgotten in last week's episode 34 of what to do in your December garden. So a couple areas where you can go and check for some ideas for filling up raised beds without breaking the bank, because yes, it can get expensive. One of the other benefits, these two kind of go hand in hand, is Because your soil is raised and because you have likely filled it with a high quality compost that drains well, your soil is going to drain and warm up faster in the spring, meaning that you can potentially plant just a little bit sooner than you could in an in-ground garden. So if you have a shorter season or you are just super chomping at the bit to get your garden in the ground, this can be another benefit of raised beds that you can plant a little bit earlier in the season. I won't, you know go to an extreme and say, you can plant a month earlier in raised beds because no, it doesn't work like that. Your soil still needs to warm up enough for seeds to germinate. They need to drain if you have been exposed to a rainy winter, like what we are going through already here in Oregon. But, you know, maybe you buy yourself a week or maybe you don't buy yourself any time, but the soil still warms a little bit sooner. And so your seeds germinate that much faster, that much stronger because they're not dealing with colder temperatures or getting waterlogged as they are attempting to germinate. So definitely some benefit there um, to extend your growing season and potentially get your seeds off to a stronger start in the springtime. And then one other really important point that I don't think gets brought up enough is that with raised beds, it can be easier to access the the garden itself, higher accessibility. I'll put it that way. Whether you have physical limitations, whether you have limited mobility, maybe you're working with kids or you are elderly, raised beds can bring the garden up to you rather than you going down to the garden. And this is really cool in that you can adjust your raised bed to no matter what level you need it to be. For example, you can do a very small raised bed that is maybe eight inches high Or you can do almost a tabletop garden where you can literally walk up to it and there's the garden because you have it raised up on legs so that you don't have to bend over at all. And this one, the taller one, requires a little bit more support so that the weight of the soil, you know, doesn't make the the bed too unstable or that the middle of the bed doesn't bow underneath and eventually break from the weight of the soil. So there are considerations there, but you can really tailor the accessibility to your raised bed garden way, way more than you can in an in-ground garden. So if this is you, if you haven't gardened yet because you are unable to get out to the garden or bending over for long periods of time, maybe you've just had knee surgery 
and you can't kneel down to work in the garden, then this is definitely a way that you can bring the garden to you without having to miss out because of those limitations. However, raised beds do have some cons. It's not all sunshine and rainbows with a raised bed garden. And one of those that I already mentioned is that it costs more money. You can build a raised bed on a budget. You definitely can. But it still is going to cost you some money unless you are super savvy with your buy nothing groups or a Facebook marketplace group or just finding free materials, maybe the thrift store or something like a Habitat for Humanity restore where you can get very budget friendly lumber. So it's going to require some cost up front to get the materials for the the sides of the bed. Maybe you need the uh, connections for the corner, whether you're using just a um, oh, what you call it, uh, like the block in the middle where the, the sides meet, or there are little connection pieces that you can buy where you just slip the board right in there, or maybe you're using cinder blocks to create this raised bed. Whatever your materials, you will need to pay at least something for them. Another con of raised beds that drives me crazy every year or every time I set up a new garden is that running drip irrigation is a total pain in the butt. And I say this because I like to run a half inch tubing down the length of my beds, but I don't want it to be suspended up in the air as it's jumping from bed to bed. And so I I cut the tubing, put in an elbow, run it to the ground, run another elbow, and basically create all these corners so that the tubing follows the line of the sides of the raised bed along the ground, back up the next raised bed, across the soil, et cetera, et cetera. And so it just takes a lot of time to get that all arranged. And of course, you have to then pay for all these elbows rather than just running one line of tubing down your in-ground garden. So that for me, because I use drip irrigation, is a pain. If you're doing something like overhead watering or hand watering, then it's really not going to affect you at all. So that one is a subjective con of raised beds. And then the last one is, as I had mentioned before, you have to source your soil products, your compost, your fill dirt, whatever you're using. Although I would not recommend just using fill dirt because it's not usually a very high quality at all. And it's much more likely to compact in a way that will limit your plant roots from really taking off and creating a healthy plant. So I would definitely recommend either buying bulk compost materials from your local landscape supply. Um, They will generally have a specific raised bed mix that's a mix of compost and things like partially broken down um, forest uh, product. They call it forest products like pine needles and wood chips and stuff like that. Uh, and also a little bit of either pumice or perlite, which helps aerate the soil and prevent that compaction. So definitely talk to your local people and find out what's best for you. You can also do a mix of something like compost and then source other dirt, maybe from somewhere else on your property um, or you are emptying out a raised bed that somebody's giving away on Facebook Marketplace. There are lots of ways to source materials without spending a whole lot. But again, just like building the bed itself, chances are you're going to have to spend something unless you are spending just time of chasing down all these free or very low cost sources. That's up to you, obviously, to figure out which one is better for you to spend the money to fill the bed or to spend the time to find lower cost materials to fill the bed. Those are the three big cons. Cost, you have to find soil. And for me, running drip irrigation is a pain. 
But even with those cons, raised beds still have tons of benefits that make it worth it for me. But I'm totally aware that not everybody wants to build a raised bed or just doesn't want to go through the effort. Or maybe you are super lucky and you have awesome soil and or you are adopting a an existing garden patch that is in ground. And if that's you, then that's awesome. Definitely take advantage. And one of the biggest pros of an in-ground garden is that there's essentially no startup cost, especially if, like I just mentioned, you're one of those where you're inheriting an existing garden bed. But even if you are starting from scratch in your backyard and you need to get rid of the grass before you can even start to plant, there are free or very, very cheap ways to do this. And some of those include putting down cardboard to smother out the grass and then covering that with a few inches of compost where you can either plant directly into it or you can let it sit for several weeks to several months and just start breaking down before you start to plant into it. This is a great way to build a new in-ground garden in the fall so that it's ready for planting in the spring. You can also use what's called a silage tarp where it's not one of the typical blue tarps, but it's almost like a vinyl billboard material. It's very thick. It doesn't allow any light to get through at all. And you, again, smother the grass with it. Think of a big black tarp, really, that or vinyl plastic that you spread out over whatever area you want to grow in. You lay it down for a minimum of six weeks, if not longer, and then it's going to kill all the grass that's underneath it because it's not getting any light. And so then when you pull that tarp away, you have this area of dead grass that you can then till if that's your thing, or you can cover that with some compost or soil amendments, whatever your soil needs, and then plant directly into it. So there is no startup cost of the lumber, very little startup cost of compost if your natural soil or excuse me, your native soil is a good enough quality to plant in. There's also a nice native integration with what you already have in your yard. If you want to build a new garden, say a food garden that kind of blends into your existing landscape, if you've got some bushes or ornamentals or maybe flowering shrubs like roses and hydrangea and whatnot, it can be a little bit easier to blend in an in-ground garden than putting a raised bed garden because obviously they're going to look a little bit different. And so if you want a more cohesive look, then gardening in the ground might be an easier way to do that. This can be particularly true if you are renting or you have HOA laws where you can't put in a permanent raised bed, maybe expanding out your existing flower beds a little bit to sneak some food in there or building just a small separate in-ground garden for whatever doesn't already fit in the in the landscaping. This can be a good way to do it, to do it with a an in-ground garden as opposed to bringing in a raised bed. And then the last benefit I want to mention is that there's really no maintenance when you use an in-ground garden. With raised beds, unless you're using something like a cedar slab that's really, really thick and will last a very long time because that's just the natural quality of something like cedar, then you will eventually need to replace the materials that you used for your raised bed. Um, if you're using something like cinder blocks, of course, that's not going to be the case. But I think the default material for a lot of raised beds is wood. 
And even if you use something like a cedar fence picket, which is what we use because we get the benefit of the cedar, but then a fence picket is a lot cheaper than dimensional lumber made out of cedar. But even though it is cedar, it's not going to last forever. So we know in we meaning me and my husband, we know that in the back of our mind, we are kind of counting down the years of how long these raised beds will last us. And maybe in five, six years, we will have to pony up the money again to rebuild them. And I do want to mention, I forgot to say this at the start of the episode, one of the reasons as well that we use raised beds here in particular, but this was the case in California too, is because we have lived in areas that have a lot of ground rodents like voles and gophers that will totally decimate your garden. And so on the bottom of our raised beds, we have put landscape, not landscape, I always make this mistake, hard hardware cloth, there we go, that is very robust against chewing ground or chewing or digging ground animals that would otherwise come up and nibble at the roots of your plant, if not pull the whole thing down into the ground. So that's another big advantage of raised beds that does not exist with in-ground planting that I forgot to mention, but needed to put in there because that's a huge factor of why we are why I use raised beds, because I can't afford to have put in this big garden that then just gets destroyed by gophers and voles that are coming in to chew it from below. And that's actually kind of a good segue into some of the cons of growing in the ground, one of those being that your garden is much more vulnerable to rodents, digging creatures, even things like bunnies, because it's a little bit more difficult to protect them unless you are putting up a fence around your garden where that'll keep the rabbits out or maybe you have deer. But for digging animals specifically, an in-ground garden really offers you no protection at all. And this has not always been the case. I've grown in areas in the ground where I didn't have to deal with gophers. And so it was totally fine. But for the last two places we've lived, they've been a huge factor. And so it's just been a default choice to go for raised beds. And another con of in-ground planting is that if you live in a rainy area like I do, it is your garden is going to be much more vulnerable to flooding or being waterlogged unless you specifically build it in an area on higher ground where the the rain is going to just flow down and away from your garden bed. And so if you live in an area where it's just totally flat or your yard or property in particular doesn't have a high area where you can grow, then that is something to keep an eye on. Out where we have our garden, there's literally inches of standing water right now and it's going to drain. It's just been raining for like three days straight. And so all that clay is very slow to drain. And so if I had our our garden in the ground, the whole thing would have been washed away. Even if you just mound up the soil to make a little mini raised bed, it would still be flooded. And so if you are in a rainy area or you know you've got soggy soil, this can be a huge con of in-ground gardens that you just have to deal with very, very wet soil that can damage your garden over time. And then the last one for a con with the in-ground garden is if you are dealing with invasive weeds or in particular invasive grasses like Bermuda grass or crabgrass, it can be a lot easier for that to creep in from the sides of your garden into your garden beds as opposed to a raised bed where you are smothering all that grass initially when you put down the raised bed and you fill it with 
you know, eight to 18 inches of soil. And that's not to say that those grasses won't eventually work their way in because they will. They're extremely tenacious. And so they're going to come up between the the side material of your bed and the soil. But I find them to be a lot easier to pull out because they're so long and kind of weak from having fought their way up through all that soil that they're a lot easier to pull out. Uh, And so if you're an in-ground gardener, just keep an eye on that if you are dealing with invasive grasses because they will not hesitate to try to invade and take over. Now, as promised, I do have a few tips for whatever garden system you set up. And if you're wondering, well, why didn't she mention container gardening? Don't worry, I've got you on that. Next week's episode is going to be all about container gardening and using it to maximize your space if you're dealing with a small space garden where neither in-ground or raised beds will really fit with the space that you've got. So hold tight. I'm going to talk about that next week. So no matter what garden, and this will actually apply to even your container garden and your small space garden for next week, is amend what you've got with compost. And I touched on this earlier in the episode, but even an in-ground garden can benefit from compost. Whether you make that yourself on site or you find high-quality compost to bring in, it's a great way to build the organic matter in your soil that will help both hold the moisture that your soil needs if you have sandier soil, but it will also help drain your soil if you have something like clay, because it helps build in air pockets into your soil with the compost. And it also helps attract microorganisms and all the little critters that will help break down your soil and aerate it themselves, like worms and centipedes and potato bugs and roly polies and all those things that are an overall benefit to your soil. Even if some of them can be a pain on your plants, like potato bugs have decimated my garden before, but they're still a good sign of healthy soil because they have something to eat and all of their tunneling and pooping and everything is really good for the soil. So amend with just a little bit of compost if you can. If you can't, that's fine. You know, work with what you got. Don't let that stop you from growing. Um, But it's a nice little boost to your garden at some point in the season, whether it's when you first start it or maybe you're putting in a midsummer garden adding just a little bit of compost can help. And as always, I would be remiss to not mention use mulch in your garden, no matter what style of garden you have. I talk all about mulch in episode 12, where I give you some ideas of where to get free or very low cost mulch. But whatever mulch you use, whether it's wood chips or compost or kelp, if you live on the the coastline, it's awesome for suppressing weeds retaining moisture, preventing erosion, and just like the compost I mentioned, it adds organic matter to the soil as it breaks down over time. So use mulch. It's definitely going to be a big benefit to your garden. And then lastly, again, whether you are in a raised bed, container, or a an in-ground garden, plant intensively to minimize weeds and maximize your space. And by this, I mean Pack your plants in there so that once they start to grow and form a leaf canopy, this is going to help shade out any weed seeds that would otherwise germinate. It will save water similar to a mulch because the soil is not being directly exposed to the sunlight to evaporate it or the wind for that matter, which can be very very dehydrating. Uh, It kind of forms a protective barrier over the soil. And then obviously it just maximizes space. If you are packing your plants in or you're growing 
sweet alyssum at the feet of your kale and kind of doing a two-story planting, then that's going to use less garden space than if you put the kale by itself and then the sweet alyssum next to it in another row. And instead, you can double up and save space that way. If you are a totally new gardener, I personally would recommend raised beds because you have more control over your scenario of your soil, your drainage, your your garden bed being ready in the spring just a little bit sooner so you have more time to experiment as a new gardener. If you are inheriting an in-ground garden and everything is set up the way you want it, just use that. Save yourself the money, save yourself the work of putting in raised beds and use what you've already got. If you have the freedom to choose between either one, you know what? This is where I would say experiment. Maybe you put in a couple of raised beds. Maybe you use compost and cardboard or reverse cardboard and compost on top to build a couple of in-ground gardens and see what happens. See which one you prefer. Maybe you don't realize that you have gophers in your yard and you learn halfway through the season because your plants are disappearing. Or maybe you don't. And so there's no need to go through the expense and the effort of building more raised beds because growing in ground worked out just fine for you. I am all about experimenting to find out what works best for you or mixing and matching your systems and setup to find a tailored approach that works for your goals, your space, your budget, all the things. And so it doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, Sometimes I show pictures of my garden, like on socials and whatnot, and you'll often see that I have my raised beds, but then right next to them, I have some containers as well, like, you know, ceramic pots and, and things like that, because either I ran out of space in the bed or I just wanted to separate, you know, say my mint plant in its own bed. So you can totally mix and match. It doesn't have to be one or the other. The important thing is really just finding a system that works for you. So as I mentioned next week in episode 36, we're going to talk about container gardening and small space gardening. Really, the focus is on small space, not exclusively containers, because I've got some awesome ideas for ways to find space for your garden, even if it's not strictly a container garden. So I'll have lots more tips for you there and some best practices and recommendations. So that's it for this episode, episode 35. If you are loving the show, please drop a review in Apple Podcasts. It totally helps me to know I'm on the right track in providing the information that you are all about. And it helps the show reach new listeners as they give the show a chance after seeing all of the awesome ratings and reviews. So that is it for this week. Happy gardening in this cold, dreary December. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, enjoy your season. <laughs> that sunshine's got to be nice. Bye. Bye.